0: Okay, if you could just give us a level check, that would be great. (laughs) Oh, there he is.
1: Does Thomas know his name? Oh, does he? I just met a lady out in the field, and she cried when she met him. Because he was just so sweet? He's famous. He's super famous, yes.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm Elizabeth Beisel, two-time Olympic medalist, and I'm jumping the press rope to take you inside the Athletes' Village, one of the most interesting and exclusive places at the 2020 Tokyo Olympic and Paralympic Games. We'll have unfiltered conversations with Olympic athletes from the ground about the daily experiences that make up a majority of the athlete life at the Games. After all, it isn't all nail-biting pressure and medal ceremonies.
1: This podcast is presented by Nordatrack from iFit.
0: You can hear us in the headphones okay? Yeah. Okay, we'll get started in three,
1: two, one. We are currently in the equine park for the 2020 Tokyo Olympic games. Oh, okay. So we're at Bachi Cohen equestrian park. I don't know how to say this. <laughs> yeah. It yeah, sounds right. Like, yeah. That's what I can tell you. Yeah. Oh,
0: he's got some room in there.
1: Yeah. 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 They're pretty big stalls. I don't know if you can see. He's got, Aww. he's got his food, food and water. God, he's window. Beautiful. So, yeah he's really actually kind of dirty he rolled outside um a bunch in the dirt but uh, how much
0: does he weigh
1: now he, he I actually weighed him the other day he weighs uh 1085 pounds oh yeah oh are you my god
0: doing? thomas you're a big uh, boy
1: oh there we go what? oh hi thomas Says, don't, body, don't body shame me
0: oh. oh he's coming to say hi There we go. Oh my gosh, he's so beautiful.
1: He's a majestic little creature. Yeah. No, he's a little guy. Yeah, it's okay.
0: What's he munching on? Carrots?
1: Carrots, yeah. Yeah.
0: Loves them. Get those veggies. So healthy. Get that by Monet. Thomas. Really
1: good eyesight, yeah.
0: Okay, Steph thank you for being here. Um, State your name and your title. And then if you could introduce Thomas for us, that would be amazing.
1: Of course, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. course. You can do that whenever you're ready. Uh, My name is Stephanie Simpson. I am Boyd Martin's bar manager, head groom, and Thomas's caretaker. And this is Thomas. His show name is Sesserleg TSF, but he goes by Thomas. So... I love that.
0: Thomas, thank you for joining us. Steph, thank you for joining us as well. Um, So obviously getting a horse overseas is not a simple process. Um, Can you explain what that looks like logistically? Do they have a passport? Um, How does all of that work? Um, And kind of just walk us through that process.
1: Yeah, of course. So every horse that shows or competes at international level anywhere has a passport that they need to get checked in. It has their microchip number, um, their breeding, who they are, a drawing. So there's no no questions about who they are. Um, as far as getting horses internationally, it's, it's a logistic nightmare, right? So their feed has to be there, their hay, their bedding, everything. And then our job is to pack all of their equipment that they need. So in three-day eventing, they have dressage and jumping so that adds to the logistics nightmare of all the stuff they need to bring um but as far as horses getting here this specific trip they had to quarantine in Aachen Germany so they went to Germany for 11 days then we went so they flew out of um so the closest one for us is JFK or Newark New Jersey um so they need to fly from there they get loaded up on kind of like a pallet type situation they go in a cargo plane then they arrive we quarantine oh god um for a couple I love days this. he like just 11.
0: he loves you so much
1: <laughs> he does um it's it's mutual um yeah. so we were there for 11 days and then they fly um, to haneda which is in Japan yep. and load it onto like a transport truck then they show up here have a rest day and then the riders met us and they rode them like just lightly around the next day. So.
0: Wow. Um, that is a lot. A lot.
1: A lot yeah. I'm yeah, very
0: yeah. impressed. Uh, how many horses
1: did you all travel with, um, here so to Tokyo? We took, so we took six to Germany because there was a few traveling reserves. So kind of as an insurance policy for the team, they take extra horses that are on the, you know, the selected list and they bring them in case something happens when we're in training in the last few days before leaving, because you can't substitute anything in after the jog starts without being penalized. So we brought a bunch of reserves and alternates um, to Germany and then four horses came to Japan. Okay. And three of them were on the team. One was a reserve. So should something happen, somebody falls off or a horse isn't quite right, we can sub in that reserve horse.
0: So do the riders that meet up with the horses in Tokyo for the Olympic Games here, are they normally riding these horses or are they meeting these horses for the first time?
1: No. So these are horses they've had for years. Okay. Um, Got it. Yeah. So these are... so. My boss, for example, has had this horse for five years or something like that and developed him from a young horse into what he is now. And it's the same with all the all these horses that are here. Um, some countries, like Germany, for example, they a lot of the horses are owned by the Federation and can kind of get swapped out between riders coming up to a big championship. But um, ours are independently owned by either syndicates or owners or riders themselves and they have control over what they do and whatnot. So no, it's these, these horses have been trained by these, these riders for years.
0: Okay. Got it. And then they reunite at the Olympic games and kick some butt. Oh yeah. yeah. How long (laughs) is a horse's typical career at this level?
1: So actually Z another horse on our team, he's the youngest one and he's 13 um the oldest one is yeah so if you think about it horses start their riding career as three or four-year-olds and Mm. that's like the basics of like how to steer you know what i mean so it takes probably eight years to teach it everything it needs to know to be competitive at the upper level so the oldest one we have here is 17 um which is at the upper end of a competitive at this level competitive sport horse career
0: so, these are very highly decorated athletes that we're working with. Yeah, um, no. Yeah, that's incredible. So, in terms of maintenance for the horses, what is their diet like while they're competing here? How often are their coats maintained? What are their uniforms? What does all of that look like at the Olympic Games?
1: So it's actually, I mean, if you think about it, they're elite athletes. So they have chiropractors, they have massage therapists, they have nutritionists, they have, it's. They have chiropractors. Yeah, they do. Um, And like therapy therapy blankets and uh, all these different things that if you think about it, like humans have that are performing at the upper levels of any sport. And so the horses are the same thing. And there's, a huge industry of therapy products for horses that um, it ranges from everything from supplements to like actual tools and different things, different types of shoes. It's all, you know, very structured and very specific to that animal.
0: And is hay probably their meal slash food of choice?
1: No. So luckily I think each rider here has a feed sponsorship and that's like a a pelleted feed with different types of like additive things with like gastric buffers, probiotics, prebi- like it, there's, it's very much uh, a scientifically calculated kind of feed ration, but yes, they do eat a ton of hay. Like that is, forage is a big part of their diet, but there's And I'm also- sure that's
0: probably, yeah, what they're eating on the plane ride there, right? Yes,
1: exactly. So when they're actually traveling, we kind of just like- tone down what they're eating because they're just you wouldn't get on a plane and eat like a massive meal because you're you know you're just sitting there right, you're not, not doing like, yeah
0: you're <laughs> not yeah, doing anything exactly
1: so we kind of just tailor that and then as soon as they're here they can have four meals a day if that's what they normally do and you just carry on so
0: when they're flying in that cargo plane is somebody with them supervising and making yeah. sure everything is okay
1: Yes. So there's always a groom that flies. Um, I didn't fly on this trip. I flew on the last trip, but, um, so for takeoff and landing, the, the flight crew is always really good about helping load the horses and stuff like that. If there's not enough grooms. Um, but yeah, when you're on there, you you're giving them feed, you're giving them water, making sure they have enough hay, making sure everything's cool. So they actually fly a lot better than you would think. So it's not a big, a big rodeo of Yeah, it, pretty, it like seems
0: it. like it is to me because I've never seen this with my own two eyes, but it's, it's amazing to think about.
1: Yeah,
0: no, they, they love to fly. So it's good. They love to fly. Oh, I that makes me yeah. happy. Um, So yeah. when it comes time for it's competition nice, day. Okay. Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. I I think we lagged a little bit. What did you say? No,
1: you're good. You're good. Oh, oh I was okay. just saying, like, I think it's a lot smoother than riding on the. Yeah.
0: So you think they would prefer flying over driving? Yes. Wow. Yeah, how I do. interesting. I guess it makes sense. Um, so on a competition day, are there things that you do to kind of cue the horse into knowing that it's about to compete? Is it a how different is it than just a normal training day per se?
1: Uh, so usually the day before or a couple days before they get what's called ring familiarization, like for the dressage, for example, so they can go down and kind of see the arena that they're going to be competing in. And so I think these experienced horses anyway, definitely know, like when the coats come on and the, they're braided and, and stuff like that. I think they know it's a little bit more serious than three days ago when they were just having a ride around. Um, I think they, they've done it so much that they know when it's serious and they know when it's just like another random day.
0: Um, Can you talk about the process of them getting braided and their coats getting combed and kind of their uniform side of competing?
1: So it's a little bit unique here. um, Like something at the Olympics because You can't have any of your own sponsorship logos or anything like that. So as far as what they can wear, it's very much the American flag um, and their number. So each horse is assigned a competition number. They wear that. That's who they are for the whole competition. Um, But as far as grooming and they get bathed every day, sometimes multiple times a day, depending on what they do. Brushed like conditioned, like everything. Like I have to dye his tail with hair dye because it gets sun bleached. So it's, it's a whole other world. Um But yeah, they get groomed at least two or three times a day braided for the trot up, which is before the dressage, the dressage, and then the trot up after the cross country. So they're used to it. They get their hair done all the time. It's, it's a thing. I
0: love that. So do they, <laughs> like, they truly enjoy getting their hair braided and their tails not, dyed.
1: Not do doing- I thank God. Um, yeah, no, they, they're they
0: here for it. They like it. <laughs> oh my gosh. These horses live the life. I love it. Um,
1: so like they shower more often than anybody. Right <laughs> than any of
0: us, but rightfully so. Yeah. I mean, they're putting in a lot of work. Like you said, they are elite athletes. Um, exactly. You mentioned how much staff it truly takes to make a horse compete at its best level. Um, how many people per horse or I guess on this team travel with you guys? Like, do you have a chiropractor with you, a massage therapist, a nutritionist?
1: Normally, yes. Yeah, so each rider kind of has those kind of people that they work with at home that treat all of their horses. Um, Normally, in years past, we've always had a massage lady that does like a bunch of physio work. She comes, but with COVID, um, she wasn't able to travel. So we've been kind of doing FaceTime with her and she walks us through, I've actually taken her course. So like it's a six day thing that I took with her years ago. And so I've been able to use that. And then the other girls, they work with her through FaceTime or whatever. And they help, but she helps them kind of target areas that might be tight or, or whatnot. Um, but as far as staff goes, like our federation has sent a handful of people and then each horse has an assigned person and I'm Thomas's person. Um, but I'm his only group. So it's on the daily. It's just him and I, and then Boyd comes and rides him and hangs out with him and, and stuff like that. So it's not a huge set. I mean, logistically there's a lot of people doing that kind of stuff, but physically handling him. It's just me.
0: That's amazing. Um, I have a question about the crowd. Do the horses compete better when it's louder or does the quiet that these games abnormally provide kind of help them?
1: I think it helps them. Uh, well him for sure. Like he's just a cool dude. Like he, he knows he's, he likes to have a crowd. He knows he's people like him and whatnot. So I think he, like, it was really weird going into an empty arena. Like they kind of don't get it because they're used to crowds and stuff like that. Right. And, they go in there and there's like uh, random people scattered and you're like, this is kind of weird. Um, but as far, and then there's some horses that that really lights them up and it gets a bit electric for them. So maybe that's actually kind of helpful for them to kind of keep it not very exciting. Um, but someone like him, like he, he, there could be 10,000 people in the stands and he'd be, he'd be cool with it. So
0: Thomas loves the big crowd.
1: He does. That's all right, he knows, he's, he's a yeah. poser. He's still gonna he's he still went. gonna
0: deliver while here, yeah. Um. Exactly. Exactly. So when the horse finishes a comp- competition, do do they have a sense of whether they won or not, or performed well or not? Do you think they they kind of know?
1: I so. Like I think they feel disappointment, or you know, I think they are actually very in tune with people's emotions that they know. Like, so yeah. in a way, I think so. You know, like, and they're so trained that they know when they've performed a movement or jumped a jump correctly or not and i think in that sense they probably like ooh whoops like that wasn't great or, or whatever but at the end of the day like i think they they just want to be fed and brushed and whatever so i think <laughs> they're their hair braided they don't feel depressed like we do but i think that they right. in the moment i think that they know like oh that was actually pretty good or it was like ooh i made a couple of mistakes but right
0: it's a simple things in life. Their, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but they're also like,
1: you... they
0: right, 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 right. Um, for you, how did
1: you get into this?
0: What What uh, was that journey but, for you? So
1: I actually grew up in a tiny, tiny town in Vermont, okay. and I was not a horse person at all. Um, I grew up on a dairy farm; like horses were like a no-fly zone, like non-negotiable was not getting a horse. So right. um, then I went to college. And I started working for my, my one of my cousins bought a farm, a horse farm, and I kind of got into it like that. And then I went to the University of Vermont and did equine science because I was always really interested in it, and I just didn't really have an outlet, so I went to school for it. And then came to be a working student, which is kind of like an apprentice um, in Pennsylvania, not far from where Boyd is, and then went on to groom for another person and then Boyd called me one day and asked if I wanted the job so here I am four years later. Here you are
0: at the Olympic (laughs) Games with Thomas. Exactly
1: I was like of course yeah. Yeah that's like an emphatic
0: yes like of course. Yeah I guess. Yeah (laughs) I'll clear my schedule I think I had something going on but I'm free now.
1: Yeah let me move some stuff around. (laughs) Yeah
0: Well, Steph, thank you so much for your time. This was amazing. I learned a lot, and hopefully everybody listening will learn as well. And best of luck to you and Thomas heading forward in these games. And I hope you all travel home safe and get a moment to kind of recover once you are back. Yeah, perfect. Thank you
1: so much for having
0: me. Yeah, of course. Thank you,
1: Steph. This podcast is presented by NordicTrack from iFit.
0: Follow In The Village now on Amazon Music and wherever you're listening to get automatic downloads. And tune into the networks of NBC to watch it all unfold.